Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, these first two segments are the best time to do so. We'll be doing our normal Thursday interviews with the Guru and and Luke Johnson in the 10 o'clock hour uh, because of Yesterday and really this week being kind of off the wall, we had to push Coach Broadhead to the day, so we'll be talking to him later uh, in this hour. So, uh, you know, after yesterday's fiasco, where if you weren't able to listen, I got caught in traffic on I-10 and did not make it for the first segment of the show, Um and so to avoid such a repeat performance of that, I took a different route and stayed off of I-10. Well, when I went over the ramp, I looked down I-10, and it was clear. What's the deal with that? Like, are they trying to trick me? So they is this a false sense of security, or is this, you know, I was thinking after yesterday, man, I, it's going to be a while before this Overpass is fixed, and so I'm going to have to be, you know, get a whole new routine or a whole new way. I'm a creature of habit, so, I mean, I've been doing the same way for several years here to get to to the station for the show. And, and so, so w- w- what's the deal? Should I know tomorrow? Is this a trap to try to trick me into being trapped on, on interstate tomorrow, or should I? Trust what what I saw with my eyes today because on 49 and on 10, what would that be eastbound? It was, it seemed like the traffic was flowing. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I'll take the same safe route. And if it's still good, then maybe next week I'll, I'll go back. But I, I certainly don't need, I, I, I am not a good where I'm calm, cool, and collected in traffic. I, I'm not. I'm not real. I, I should be better with handling the I-10 parking lot, but I, I'm just not good at that. Not good at that at all. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. As we um, – big game day for the Cajuns. They host Southern Miss tonight. We got a chance to talk to Coach – Marlin yesterday and you know I I really I don't know I have a feeling that they're going to come out and play really well it does you know I know they lost the two games on the road and you know the first game they should have won they just didn't the second game they just didn't play well they they got outplayed and could they could have won but the first game they should have won the second game they could have won so probably they should be one and one right now but they're not they're 0 and 2 and so I think I expect them to come out and play really well, even though they're playing a really good team, and we'll see what happens. The women are playing another really good team in Southern Miss, and so 
Um, the women have not shot the ball well at all. So that you know, it, it's hard to say to 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 feel good about their chances. But if the women get a split, you just like you know, if the men get a split this weekend at home, you're gonna be a little disappointed. If the women get a split, then you're gonna feel great about it. So that's kind of the differences between the two. There's also uh, LSU women's basketball team will be playing Texas A&M tonight. Uh, pre-game, 7.30, 8 p.m. first. Uh, it's tip-off. Man, 8 p.m. tips. For old fat people like me, that is a, that is a rough, that is a rough uh, 8 p.m. tip. But it's 8 p.m. tip, and you can hear all the action right here on the game, 103.7. Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So lots of basketball going on. Um, Pelicans won last night. So we'll be talking more basketball. We'll be, uh, you know, in the coming months. Football's not over, but it's getting closer to being over. You can kind of see the finish line. Um, and so we'll be talking more. They were supposed to beat the Rockets, but they did. I mean, it, and we'll be, um, you know, I made the comment yesterday, this this recent trend of all these points being scored in the NBA is, is a little, I don't really like it. And so we'll maybe get the guru's opinion of that next hour. Cause I know he follows it a lot closer than I do to try to see like what's going on that, that, that needs to, hopefully that's just a short term thing. And it, it, it kind of starts to end because I don't, I don't like, I don't like that at all. Hopefully it, it, um, it ceases soon, but we'll see how that plays out. And of course it's like anything. If your team's winning, who cares? You know, I you you might want you might discuss it, but really, like, who cares? You know, there's a lot of people who are old school baseball people who didn't who don't who don't like the shift. Now that the shift's gone, and they didn't like the way the game was gone, and the game was played during the shift, and during the shift era, the the Astros had success like they'd never experienced before. So whether I liked the shift or didn't like the shift. It didn't matter to me a whole lot, really, in the end, because the Astros were winning and they've won consistently during that era. And so we'll see what happens. And, you know, that's something we're going to be talking a lot more about moving forward is uh, when we get closer to baseball season. And we're not close to that yet. But um, although pitchers and catchers report in about, what, six weeks, something like that. Um the, the the getting rid of the shift, what is that going to mean for pitchers and hitters? Uh, there's just there's hardly no way to you know there there are statistics that say well he would have hit this but 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 you don't know what pitches would have been throwing you. There's no way to really predict how how it's going to impact all these different pitchers and hitters. So that's going to be fascinating once we get into. Uh, the Major League Baseball season, but again, I, I'm not. I'm still enjoying um, winning the World Series, and so I, I'm not. I'm not like anxious. Oh, I can't wait. I can wait. I mean, the the it, it, when you have a glorious off season, you can wait. Again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. The um, you know, the news on the DeMar Hamlin situation seems to be getting a little better each day. I, you know, 
I, 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 people are still discussing, like, what are they going to do? And I might be surprised. I just don't see how they're going to do anything. I, I just, I think it's a freak situation, and no one could possibly have planned for it. And I, I think it's, I just don't see a way that they can fix it. And you, it is what it is, and the bills are not going to cert, certainly not going to publicly complain about it. I, I don't, I don't see how they could do that. So I just think it's just something that happened that no one planned for, no one wanted to happen, and I, I just don't see how they can make up this game. So I, I just, I just think it's going to be what it is, and, and now we just have to see. How these teams are going to perform, I mean, look, it's hard enough to win an NFL game anyway, even if you have maximum motivation and maximum everything. I mean, it doesn't mean you're going to win. And then when you're, when you're dealing with everything that they've dealt with, I mean, I mean, how do you – if they came out flat, everyone would kind of understand it and rationalize that very easy. And if they came out super motivated and played the best game of the season, everyone would say, well, they were just, you know, they were just so hyped up and so wanting to do it for their teammate that they played tremendous. So, you know, there, there, there's no way of, of predicting that. And it's, uh, you know, how, how the Bengals will play, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, it's good. it's going to be watching those games. It's going to make watching those games and just seeing how they play out very interesting. And uh, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a, you know if, the, if this was like if it happened a month ago or six weeks ago, I think they could do something about it. it the way it is right now, I don't see how anything can be done. They're just stuck, and you know it's probably, depending on what happens this weekend, it's probably going to cost the Bills the number one seed. But, they're, I mean, what are they going to say? I mean, they're not worried about that right now. And so they're not going to say anything. It just is what it is. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev. How you doing, man? Um, I want to talk a little Saints before, you know, on that other topic. Uh, you know, I don't play fantasy football, but I'm going to tell you, it really gets my blood boiling to see on some of these social media sites. People just boo-hooing about their fantasy team because they didn't get the points the other night because the game was canceled and all. It's like, come on, man. You know, a guy almost died on the NFL field, and you're worried about your fantasy football. That I don't know. I think it's a reflection on society in general, but it's a, I think it's a very sad reflection. Well, there are, um, you know – most of us are worried about our particular situation, and and it's. I think there are a lot of people that were not descent, you know, or I think most people were very sensitive to this situation. But you're always going to have people going to be more worried about their particular situation and someone else's situation that they don't know about. I think that's just human nature. But no, I, I mean, I haven't heard a lot of it, but I, you know, most people. Uh, it was like the Super Bowl, I would think, for most fantasy leagues, um, and I wasn't in it, so I, I, you know, it's not something I heard anything about or I even thought about. But, um, but yeah, well, I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was plenty of that around the country. Yeah, there was a 
was a lot on Twitter, yeah, unfortunately. Um, but, look, I just wanted to run by you real quick, um, uh, yay or nay, as to whether or not – I'm not going to go through the Saints have 23 free agents next year. I'm not going through the whole list. You don't have time. I know that. Uh, and some of these guys, I think, are obviously – out this list, I'm going to tell you, there's only two, I think, that are must rest kind of friends. But I just wanted to get your opinion – and, and let's just assume that the prices to get them, you know, and we'll get into more with anybody with that on the will. I just wanted to run it through, through a few names by you. Bradley Roby, here name. Well, I, I thought I, 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 if they can fit it in financially, I'll, absolutely. I, I um, Yes, if they can fit it in financially, okay. yes. Anyamata. No, he, he's... You know, again, I had high hopes for Gus, and I had high hopes for Davenport, and they both been major busts. So I, I, I say no. Davenport, no. Uh, and again, I, I was in his corner more than anyone, and I, I'm just done with him. What was the last one? Uh, Jarvis Landry. Oh man, he. I, I mean, I. They better, better easily. I'm they better easily be able to fit it into the cap because I still think that he can help if he ever gets on the field, but he's never on the field. So I, he's one. If it doesn't happen, then I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, you know, there's no angst there. If they can easily fit him in, then fine, and you just hope he's going to be healthy. But he, he never plays. Uh, PJ Williams. Oh yes, I, I'm, I'm into PJ. Yes. Okay, Shy Tuttle. Yeah, I'm not. He will, right. I, I'm not. He he was disappointing this year as well. And I'll be honest with you, the only two that I think are must, and the rest, like I said, it it, it has to fit the cap. But um, obviously, uh, Jawan Johnson and, and uh, Chase Hansen. Um, that and um, not Chase Hansen. Uh, well, Chase Hansen is also a free agent. So so, what do you think about Chase Hansen? Uh, dime a dozen. I'm not. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. And then obviously, Caden Ellis is a must. Well, now, yeah, no, yes. I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously he's played tremendous this year. How much money is he gonna want, though? I know. I was looking. His projected contract would put him at about uh, five million a year, which is that's not that. That's what they're projecting his his value to be on the free agent market. Which is not horrible. I mean, um, I think he's making six hundred thousand right now on his rookie contract. Yeah, I, I but, hope they can fit him in because he, he's versatile and can do. And he played very well. Yes. Okay. I mean, and, and the last one is Marquez Callaway. I mean, he's again another one. He, he, we had high hopes for him, but he hasn't really done anything. So I, I'd have no problem if they lost him. None. Okay. Yeah, and the rest are like you know they I mean, Kentavious Street. There's a few you know a few others. I, I think it's just mostly backups. Yes. yes. Yeah, mostly backups. But uh, but I just wanted to get your opinion on a few of those guys because I think uh, I have I think Bradley Roby's actually played pretty well when he's when he's been in at, at times, <laughs> and I'm really excited. I mean, we saw that this year, man. You can't ever have enough secondary. Depth. No, absolutely. And look, what they if the defensive line, if they can fix the defensive line, which I thought was going to be much better than it, than it turned out to be this year, but uh, the defensive line turned out to be the biggest disappointment on the whole team. 
and so if they can figure out the defensive line, having guys like Bradley Roby around, I think, or, you know, gives him a chance to to be better than 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 you would think, and better than most teams going into the playoffs. You have to be able to defend people, especially in the perimeter in the playoffs. And if they could ever, if they can get that defensive line. Fix. I think having guys like Bradley Roby in the position he's in right now gives you that opportunity if everyone else is healthy. Uh, and so, yes, I'm all for it. Yep. Still think we we need to. I, I, I guess he played a little better for the end of the year uh, with Marcus May, but man, he's he's always hurt. Number one, and I still would like to see us improve the back end of that secondary. I, I don't know if it can be done, you know, financially with what we have to work with, but um, I still think it's a weak link. Anyway, just wanted to run those names by you, Kev. Appreciate uh, be it. Be up to date on that uh, that information on the highway because I'm interested to find out. My my, my my son and daughter-in-law and grandkids live in Alexandria, and I go, you know, pretty often there. And I, I, when I heard about that, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna get around that to get back on I-49. You know, yeah. so it. Yeah, I can go through care. I don't know. I don't know how a truck can't figure out that he's too high to pass underneath an overpass. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking he was a fan of the cheaters was my first reaction, but I don't know. <laughs> All right, Kev, you have a good All right, time, you Thank too. You. I mean, really, I was like, did it, does anybody, that was my first question, does anybody know who this cat's a fan of? Because, you know, hopefully he's not a Saints fan. Figured that Couldn't figure that out. All right. We'll take a... We'll be asking some of those similar type questions to Luke next hour. Uh, you know, I know there's a game left, but it's, it's kind of where you are as a as a Saints fan, kind of looking towards a future there and what decisions have to be made in the offseason. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse where you could win one of many excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen there, as well as a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard, or a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Any of those great prizes, as well as others that come out from time to time, you can't win if you don't become a member of the Game Clubhouse. So do so today. It's free. So why not sign up at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111-337-706-0111 on this Thursday as we enter a sports weekend 
that obviously you wait till Monday for the national championship game. We'll talk a little bit more about that matchup tomorrow. Certainly any thoughts you have or predictions or, um, you know, I know there are a lot of fans out there who are going to be pulling from Georgia because they're SEC fans and they want to be able to, you know, get on social media and want to call sports talk shows and brag about how good the SEC is. There are some fans, like RP3 is one of them, he doesn't really root for teams that are in the SEC. He just roots for his team. I don't think there is many of those kind of fans now as there have been in the in 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 the past. But um and then I think there's a, a group of fans out there who are not necessarily Georgia fans. But they kind of like the underdog, and TCU is is definitely the underdog. All season long, they've been the underdog. You know, I think it just gives – if you're not one of the powerhouse teams, it gives you great hope. Like, at the beginning of the year, who gave TCU any hope of being here? Anyone, even TCU. I wonder if there was anyone – like, man, I'm telling y'all, we might play for the national championship this year in August, uh, having to do with TCU. That that said that publicly, you know, often. Like, I wonder if there's anyone that was thinking that. So, so easy to pull for an underdog like TCU. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Kevin, Richie, how are you? How are you? Good. You got me thinking just now. I mean, who would even win a, a battle? A bulldog or a horned frog <laughs> in the animal kingdom. <laughs> um, uh, I would think the bulldog would. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm traveling back yesterday from my little family vacation, and we had a layover in Atlanta. And next thing you know, it's all hectic. Got to go get in the line to go speak to an agent. Lines winding all over the place. And all of a sudden, this, this basketball team just kind of cuts the line. And I look over at Georgia State. And I couldn't help myself. I just had to had to poke some fun. And I know he's not the coach anymore, but I had to tell him. I said, uh, "Man, it doesn't look like a Ron Hunter coach team cutting the line like that." <laughs> and uh, love it later. You know, they're all they got places to go. I get it, but I'm sitting in line, so I had to have some fun with it. And I look again. I said, "Man, those Louisiana teams got to let them know y'all are y'all are y'all don't follow rules and undisciplined." So, uh, and they chuckled about it. But uh, it got me thinking. Who would you say? This day and age is the is the Cajuns' rival in the Sun Belt basketball. Oh, there's no question. It's still Georgia State. Now, we were talking about that with Coach Marlin yesterday. I really think, well, baseball, it's already there with Southern Miss, and I really right. think it's going to be there in football pretty soon. And it's going to, and I think, I, I think, it would not shock me if ten years from now, if we listed the biggest rivalry in 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 those three sports that, that it, it's going to end up being Southern Miss 10 years from now. It, it would not shock me if that's the case. But right now, uh, I think basketball is going to get there for, pretty quick. But right now, there's no question it's Georgia State. In fact, it might be the number one rivalry in all the sports right now. Well, I, I probably agree with you. The only thing maybe the rival would be that, you know, baseball, Southern, South Alabama. But like you said, Southern Miss is just going to implement itself as well. Yes. Uh, okay, changing the, pa- changing the page, our Saints. What are we going to do defensive end next year coming up? I mean, you can't, you can't re-sign Davenport, huh? No, Davenport's got to go. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, Granderson isn't making any money, but Granderson makes more plays than Davenport. 
Right. And we, we, still, we still got no clue on Peyton Turner. I mean, he played Sunday, but he, you know, he didn't do a whole lot. I mean, you, you have to still, you have to give him the same chance <clears throat> you gave Davenport, and hopefully he, he plays better if he's ever healthy. Yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. you got to let Davenport walk. He's, he's, oh, no, he's got to go. I, no, we've given him more but than I'm ample time. He's got to go. I'm with you. Hi, Kev. Have a good one. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good hearing from you. I don't know if I have quite that nerve. I mean, I might make a comment, but I don't know if I'd make a, <laughs> a comment like Richie did to Georgia State's basketball team. But, no, that's been a great ride. I've told the story before during the pandemic when I interviewed the um, – the athletic director, what's his name, Stubbs maybe? I interviewed the athletic director or several athletic directors just about how they were dealing with the pandemic and talking to him, you know, he was like, look, if it was up to me, every home game we'd play would be against the Cajuns. You know, he said that, that, that's by far the game that everybody around here looks forward to more than any other. And so <clears> – <throat> I don't think there's any question it's the biggest rivalry, but I really think the Southern Miss rivalry is going to be really good. Um, as long as, I mean, I guess you never know what's going to happen, but um, I, you know, as long as they stay in the same conference, which you kind of could see that happening for a long time now, I, I really think that that's going to be a big ride. I don't know if it will be in all the sports like, you know, I don't know that it will be in, like, say, softball. But in baseball, it's pretty much already there. Um, and football, I don't think it's going to take long, uh, very long at all, where it's going to be a really nice rivalry. And I think in basketball, it won't take that long either. Now, you know, I don't <clears> – is it going to supplant the Georgia State rivalry? I think a lot of that has to do with – is Georgia State going to continue to be that good, and and where the Cajuns go? But but I wouldn't shock me if ten years from now it does. So no, I I think it's I think it's exciting. I I know a lot of people. I just hope that now that the conference has these new teams in it, that it can just work out to where the rivalries are. I just think rivalries are important. I mean. I know some people probably aren't as into it as I am, but I, I think rivalries – look, you, you should draw attendance to go watch your team play. That's really what it should be. But there's some – you know, that's not happening. <clears throat> so you have to have games. Oh, man, I might miss this game, but I'm not missing that game. You know, rewind 40-something years ago. I'm not missing the UL Lamar game when Billy Tubbs comes to town. Or rewind 30-something years ago. I'm not missing the UNO game when Tim Floyd and his cheating self comes to town. I, I want to go see if they're going to cheat the Cajuns again. Are they ever going to call a foul for all the hand-checking they do? Whatever. You know, they, they, they were talking about, um, you know, and we're talking basketball right now, but, you know, they were uh, on last night's McNeese Coaches Show. They were talking a lot about Joe Dumars. I heard quite a bit of that. I mean, I rem you know, the Joe Dumars days and before that with Rudd and and them. I mean, those you, you went to those games, not, yeah, I don't watch the Cajuns, but you, will wa you, want, you wanted to see them 
against McNeese or you wanted to see them against Louisiana. It was different playing Louisiana Tech or McNeese than playing, you know, UTA. It's just different. And so I think it would be great if we develop some really good rivals. And I think Southern Miss is going to be nearer the top of that list. And I, I think it's good. You need those things. I think it increases fan interest. It increases the passion. And you need that. It, it, you know, I think that if you don't have it, it's too easy to just, I don't know what's the word, where you're just kind of going through the motions. And, yeah, you're playing games and you want to win, but there's just not that passion that, that you need in sports. I mean, LSU fans, you know, they hate Alabama. And, and so the, it, it, that game just brings passion. You know, you, they've had this great series for decades with Auburn. The game just brings some to it. They've had this this bitterness with Florida for a while. So that game just brings a little ex- – you want the games to matter, not just the players and the situation. And so um, hopefully the, I think that's a great point, and, and I kind of brought that up at the very beginning with, with Coach Moreland when we interviewed him yesterday that Richie just brought up about the rivalry. And hopefully I, I really think the Southern Miss – Part of it is is going to continue. It, it, it's going to ro- it's going to escalate quickly in all the sports. At least that's my hope. It needs to escalate quickly in all the sports because I, I think I think rivalries. Now again, you don't. I always try to, you know, I t- I I use I use the words like sports hate. I'm not talking about, <clears throat> you know, fan violence. I mean, we've had some really ugly incidents in recent years of rival teams and they get violent and they you know they beat people up and really injure people and that's just stupid I mean that's just stop you know I'm not talking about that I'm talking about you you want to beat this team really bad and so you go to the game and you really 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 want them to lose and you you know the old I root for two teams my team and whoever plays blank fill in the blank that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about and there's not there hadn't been nearly enough of that in the last decade or so around UL Athletics, and so hopefully, I think this Southern Miss thing is going to escalate quickly in most of the sports. I think it's great. Love sports hatred. Love sports rivalries, and that's what, that's what uh, to me, that's what makes sports fun. Now, there's a lot of things that do, but that that's near the top of the list for me. You got to have the rivalries, and you got to have teams that you enjoy beating just because of who they are. It doesn't matter who the coach is or who the quarterback is. That's a team fill in the blank, and I have all these bitter memories about them, and so I want to beat them. Just, I think you got to have all that stuff. All right, we'll take a timeout. Um, come back and shift gears. Connect with UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. We'll talk about maybe get his, who you know, get his opinion on rivalries. I'm sure he 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 enjoys that as well. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Before we get what our special guests want to tell you, the Buffalo Bills just, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes ago released a statement saying, per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically, boy, that's a hard word for me to say, intact. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. So the news continues to get better and better. And, you know, that obviously gives a little more peace in mind to all the people who have been pulling for his recovery. All right, we have with us UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. How about you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. We were just talking about rivalries, Coach. Since you've been the head coach of the KG Women's Basketball Program, if you were going to rank the top three rivals that y'all have had over those three years, what would that be? Uh, I think Troy is is one of them. Uh, you know, I think Texas State's always been kind of kind of up there, too. And then, uh, I don't know, not, you know, with all these new teams coming in. But, yeah, I would say, I mean, Troy by far, you know, because, I mean, they've been winning the tournament and all that, and that's kind of what, what the key is. And, you know, Texas State and UTA, I would say UTA. And they're out now. So, you know, we're going to get some new robbers now, probably in Southern Miss and all that. You know, we haven't played them in quite a while. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of anxious to see how we can create some new robberies that uh, we got these new teams in. You know, I think initially years ago, Arkansas State would have been on that list, but it, it, it kind of faded a little bit. Yeah, that and then and, and Little Rock too. I forgot about Little Rock. You know, now that that in, I always, I mean, that was always the kind of key for us. You know, the the benchmark because they would they won so many conference championships and got to the tournament. And actually, beat A and M one year in, a, in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, they were a benchmark too. Yeah, but. You know, it's like you play. I love playing against teams that are well coached, like Little Rock was. So that was all. It was a rivalry in a way that we wanted to win, but at the same time, man, we could learn. And whether we won or not, we always kind of came out of that game a little bit better. All right. So you mentioned Southern Miss, and I I think that rivalry is going to escalate for a lot of the UL sports, and it kind of begins with you and the women's basketball program going to Hattiesburg tonight. uh, You know. That's going to be quite a challenge. It sounds like they have size and the ability to score from the guard position. Yeah, they do. You know, Davis is scoring 20 points a game, and then Grayson, the inside girl, is about 6'3", and she's scoring almost 13 points a game. So that's where most of their scoring is coming from, you know. Uh, Joy Lee uh, McNeil does a great job of getting the ball in the right people's hands to score. She runs a lot of different offenses, to a lot of high-low stuff, a lot of dribble-drive stuff. So, there's a lot of things that you have to you have to guard, you know. So it's going to be a tough one, you know. That they're able to score and and they defend really well too. So this is going to be a tough game, especially on the road. So is there? You know, I was looking at their their league wide. You know, it seems like they're a good defensive team, but they're not like first or second or third in the league in defense. They're a good, solid defensive team, and they have the ability to to win games without having to score a lot of points. Certainly, so. It, it, you know, if you have, if there's something that you could attack against them potentially, if you play well, what, what would that be? Well, I think we got to we got to push the ball in transition, but at the same time, not turn the ball over. 
you know, the times that we've played Southern Miss in the past, that's what was our Achilles heel. We turned the ball over and gave them some good looks and not, not get, didn't give us opportunity to really guard their half-court stuff. So, I mean, I think that's going to be the biggest thing, you know, on offense, you know, we got to attack and be aggressive, but at the same time, you know, be smart and not turn the ball over. Y'all have been on the road a lot, and especially in the state of Texas this year. And so you're not really close to the end of the season yet. So would you do you think that road on a key road swing like you've got right now, is that going to be where you're going to be on the road? Is something that y'all going to be used to, or are you close to where, man, kind of road fatigued here? Well, no, not really. I mean, I think we're so young, it's kind of hard for me to tell you. Maybe I can answer that question after we get back home yeah. on Sunday, you know. But, uh, you know, yeah, being in Texas, that was kind of tough, you know. And then, you know, looking at the schedule that we had, you know, in our conference, we, we had the toughest schedule out of anybody in our conference. I think we're, our, our uh, net team that we played against is like 38, which is, I mean, we've never done that before, you know. So, we had a tough schedule and all of it pretty much on the road other than the Texas Tech game. So, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully, to me, the schedule might have got us a little bit tougher and stuff like that. Now, you know, how you how you react on a road with a younger team, you know, uh, kind of a new team because, I mean, you look at we don't have many starters that, that played a lot of minutes last year. I mean, you have D. Rice and then you have Tamara Johnson, you know. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, LNA didn't even actually play a lot of minutes until toward the end of the season last year. So, you know, you, you got a little bit of inexperience. So you'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about that. We're getting better and we've got to continue to get better. Uh, you know, at this point right now, you, you know, you have no choice. You know, you got to try to win these games no matter how you win them. Both of these teams are very talented and, 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 and good. Is it really up to Destiny and Sherry to kind of provide the kind of leadership that y'all need if y'all are going to get one of these games? Oh, no doubt. I mean, if we win, it's going to be because they kind of control the whole game, you know, and they got the ability to do it. Um, I'm glad they're getting healthier, you know, and they're, they're back. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of anxious to see, and we're going back to our lineup where we – you know, we'll start D-Rice and Cheryl come off the bench for her, you know, every two or three minutes, and we'll kind of keep that flowing. And then we get to pre- – we'll come up with some pressing lineups. And also we feel that we have the lineups that we need that we've been talking about uh, since the Abilene Christian game when we did it then, you know. And then since then, it's been kind of tough to be able to, to, be able to play those kids at the same time or at different times and stuff. So that's what we we're, we're hoping for today is – you know, it's to Bella get that those lineups when we need them. You know, Lene has shown signs of coming out of her slump that she had early on, which was uh, injury. Obviously, had a lot to do with that. Nubia at time has shown the ability uh, to shoot well. It, it, it's been up and down. It seems like it's going to be critical to get both of them shooting consistently in the same game um, to beat some of these good teams on y'all's schedule. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I think. Uh, you know, Lene's been really shooting it well in practice. I think her injuries kind of, kind of healing up on her wrist and stuff. So you, we're seeing some good things from her. And yeah, Nubia, she, you know, she twisted her ankle in the last game and or the game before, and she kind of was kind of banged up when we played her. She's just tough, man. I didn't think she would be able to play and see, coach, I can play. And so I think it kind of affected her. Not look, she looks better today. So hopefully she'll be able to. You know, feel a little bit more comf- comfortable, and you know, I think Sherry Porter's got to be a little bit more consistent too in her shooting too. She's, 
you know, it's got a couple of games of 20 point games and, you know, against uh, Abilene Christian, when we went to that lineup, she did some good, you know, she did some good things and scored. So we need her to score a little bit too, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of, kind of get people going, you know, uh, Jalen James needs to kind of get going. She does really well in practice and she can shoot it, you know, from out and all that. She just hadn't been consistent in the games, you know, but yeah, we're going to need to be a little bit more consistent to be able to get some of these wins and, you know, especially on the offensive side. I feel pretty good about the defensive side that hopefully we can kind of do some things to slow down, you know, both teams that we played this week. But uh, at the same time, you got to score some. Absolutely. Again, uh, the Cajuns will be playing in Hattiesburg tonight and then Saturday afternoon in San Marcos against a Texas State team that, you know, in, in, uh, in some of these sports like Levi Lewis, I'm sure the Cajun opponent seemed like he was the quarterback forever, and it sure seems like that two, that duo or trio in Texas State has been there about six or seven years, and I couldn't <laughs> believe they're still there. Yeah, they're still there, man. They're still there, you know. And i tell you what, they're acting like they're veterans, you know. They're really playing well together. I thought that was going to happen last year, but I guess because they know that this is it for them uh, – you know, Kennedy Taylor is just, man, she's tearing it up. You know, eight, nine assists a game. And, you know, I know Hood's coming back from an ankle injury right now. Once we started conference, she started to kind of come back. But she's starting to, I mean, she's already looking good from just coming back. And she can score it in many different ways. So, you know, Thompson on the inside, she just bangs on the inside, makes it tough. She can take charge. I mean, she she does some good, good things. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll be that'll be a tough game on the road. But, hey, you know. You know, a lot of times when you get on the road and you play these tough games, it just makes you better, and that's what we're trying to do is say, hey, can we get more consistent and get better at what we're doing? All righty, sir. We appreciate your time. Good luck to you all. Thank you very much. All right, Kev. Thank you, man. Go Cajuns. All right. We'll we'll be back, finish out the first hour on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Fano's Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about the Lundy Gras Barthon on Monday, February the 20th. Trail presented. It's a four mile run or walk or however you want to do it through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served uh, with a party bus following, which gives you a lot of options. It, you could um, run all of it, all the four-mile course, or you could run a little while, get on the party bus, and go back when you feel like doing it, or you could just spend the whole time on the party bus. Totally up to you. Um, the audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends along. It's Lundy Graw Barthon. Register now at latrail.org. All right. We will, at the top of this next hour, be talking to the guru, and we'll kind of wrap up the fantasy football season, but also get on to some other things that are going on with the NBA and such, and then Luke Johnson at about 10.15. And obviously, we're going to talk about the victory over the Eagles, but in a sense, you know, there's only one game left, and the, the Cadence, the Saints have been eliminated, so we're going to be looking forward towards a little bit early for next year as well. So, um, you know, that's kind of where you are. The, the, over the last, since Mike Ditka, 
I don't know what the number is other than the Katrina year, but it's it's not a lot. The Saints have not had a lot of weeks where they were playing games where they had no hope of making the playoffs. Like there, like Hazlitt, in the Hazlitt era, there was like maybe two of them, maybe two, maybe two games. Uh, there hadn't been a lot of games where the Saints have played in the last twenty-two years, where you know the game was essentially you know had z- had no hope of making the playoffs. So it's a little bit unusual. It's not a lot of fun um, at all. But it, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know, we're gonna be talking about Mark Ingram and the Viking fiasco, Viking game, and both games against the Yucks. I mean, all of those shoulda, woulda, coulda been Ws, but they they weren't, and so now they're in the situation that they're in. We're gonna play, um, <clears throat> you know, because of the infinite wisdom of the NFL, a useless division game against the Arnolds, which should never be the case. If I was the king, that would never happen. Never. But it's happening all over the league this weekend. We got a bunch of useless games, uh, division games that have been because of the NFL. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline. 337-706-0111, and actually, we won't be taking phone calls, so I shouldn't have done that. We'll be doing interviews for the rest of the hour, starting right now with the guru. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, doing pretty good, man. Glad to hear that uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation and taking a turn for the better. So, uh, so yeah, glad to hear that. And, yeah, doing, doing pretty good, just... Uh, yeah, trying to move forward. <laughs> yeah, it's been strange. You know, uh, Ralph called earlier and he was complaining how, you know, he kind of ran across some people who were really complaining about the cancellation of that game and how it impacted fantasy, which is something that some people spend a lot of time with and you look forward to the Super Bowl all year and it just was a reality of life that the DeMar Hamlin situation obviously is way more important than fantasy football. And so, and so I mean, I'm sure it affected – all kinds of leagues. I mean, it affected the the real games and it's affected fantasy. It was just obviously, you know, pales in comparison to the situation. But how, how did that work out in most of the leagues you were in? Yeah, it didn't end up too bad in most of mine. I had a few, though, that it ended up to where the championship was just kind of like just in limbo. You know, it's still in a way in limbo, but a lot of the leagues have just settled as far as if it's money involved. A lot of them have agreed to split the pot. Where he just because I mean, if the game does get resumed, it probably won't be till next week if they decide to push the playoffs back, or it could just end up no contest. So a lot of leagues aren't going to wait on that and just to move forward. Some though are, are holding and waiting to see what happens with that. But I feel like a lot of leagues, maybe like for the prize. Like, if there's a trophy or a ring involved, they might want to wait it out. But if there's money involved, I feel like most leagues are just 
if it was close, then they just split in the pot. And if it was already decided, well, then they'll just pay out the winners as they would have normally. You know, we talked all year long how this is one of the craziest fantasy leagues we can remember. So, you know, from just a pure fantasy standpoint, it kind of was a fitting inning, just a bizarre season, really. It, it, it was was crazy this year. From The NFL was crazy, but in how it affected fantasy was really one of the craziest years I can remember. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it was just like craziness all around. I feel like that's why I had one of my better years because I feel like I tend to thrive when it gets crazy because I, you know, I do a lot of research and keep up with it super close. So I had a pretty successful season overall. But, yeah, very – just crazy with the way it ended. Just, just so sad to see that you know that game get shut down like that. And you know, obviously, human life was on the line, so I had to do what they had to do. But yeah, just wow, just yeah, just what a weird year. Hopefully, we don't have another deal like this again because that was that was not fun. That was not fun at all. All right, so now the shift goes to. Um... You know, more just kind of, uh, you know, looking at betting lines and handicapping these games. How, how do you kind of before, – before, let's, well, let's just start there. How, how do you kind of look at the national championship game on Monday and, you know, is it the line or the over and under or, or what, what, what kind of sticks out to you about that matchup? Yeah, I, I like the line there on the Georgia side. You know, I feel like the – a lot of people are kind of overreacting to what they saw at the CFT, I think. I mean, it's still a pretty wide spread, 12-and-a-half, but I feel like some people are on the TCU side because they view it as a value. But to me, the only way TCU would be a value would be if they'd be uh, plus 14-and-a-half or higher, like a two-touchdown or more underdog, but which they're not. So to me, the value still is with Georgia because I feel like Georgia, even though they almost lost to Ohio State, should beat TCU by multiple scores. To me, they're just a much superior team. So I'd uh, I'd, I'd rock with the favorite on that one. What I, have you heard? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a theory that you know LSU's passing game in the last you know two two and a half quarters of the SEC championship game exposed some things in Georgia's pass defense that maybe other teams had not been able to do, and that Ohio State took advantage of that, and that TCU will be able to take advantage of that. What? How do you kind of look at that? Yeah, they could to some degree. That's why I heard, I'm not sure what the total is at, but I'd maybe want to take the over because, yeah, Georgia's defense is – it has some chinks in its armor. You know, it's not – this year's Georgia's de- Georgia defense isn't like last year's where it's like a brick wall. I mean, you can put up points on them. I feel like though, this year's Georgia offense is probably better than last year's, though. So, like, I'd still be good with taking Georgia. They had their defenses. Uh, it has some flaws. All right, so I know you're in New Orleans, and, and uh, you know, while the Saints season, it was, you know, frustrating in so many ways, uh, the Pelicans season is, is very uh, exciting, and I know, you know, still some patience involved there because you've got some key injuries to some, you know, the better players on the team, and so there's a little bit of a waiting process there. So, um, but, but how would you kind of, you know, describe the the building excitement there in New Orleans. 
Oh, yeah, there's definitely buzz around the Pelicans. It's, it's been a really successful year. The injuries are frustrating, no doubt. But I feel like as long as they can get right for the playoffs, so they've done enough now to where and they have enough depth to where they should be able to sustain what they've been doing to get. I, I, I said before the season, I'm hoping we're a top four seed in the West. That was my goal for the Pelicans, and it looks like they're – on their way to doing that. I mean, for a while there, I was looking at they might get number one overall, but with all the injuries, that's going to be really tough. And with the way the Nuggets and Memphis and, you know, Grizzlies are playing, they're just, yeah, those teams are looking great right now. But the Pels are only half game out still. I mean, I still think they could reach that top four goal in this Zion. I mean, if he's hurt again, I know it's frustrating. But be patient. Be patient. You know, they're not, don't rush him. Just Get him 100%. Same thing with Brandon Ingram. Those are your top two players. Be patient. Get him 100% for the stretch run, and it should be all good. How do you kind of – what do you make of – I mean, lately in the NBA, the points scored, it, it, it's it's getting out of hand in my opinion. I, I'm not a real fan of, you know, 130-something to 130-something and all this. And then, you know, the other day the Thunder scored 150 points against the team. With, I mean, it's just craziness. Like, what, what do you make of all this recent proliferation of scoring in the NBA? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty crazy, you know. Not a whole lot of defense, so yeah, yeah. I'm not, I think it's probably just kind of a fluke, you know. It should kind of return to normal, I would think, you know. Cause not every game's going like that, but a good amount of them are. So it's been kind of this wave of offense, but I would think it would return, you know. It's it's kind of. Things kind of go in ebbs and flows, you know, kind of like in baseball. Sometimes when they're scoring, I'm like, oh, the ball's juice. And when they're not scoring, oh, the pitchers have it too good. So I feel like in sports like baseball and basketball, where they play a lot of games, you know, the season kind of go through ebbs and flows. I wouldn't overreact to this. Have you noticed, though, that do, do the over-unders – do do they overcompensate when they when you're going through a period like that, or is it just a matchup a matchup situation? Uh, if I had to guess, it probably the totals now. You might be able to get some values with unders because the public tends to love to bet over. So if I had to guess, the books are probably adjusting for that. And I don't really mess with totals too much in basketball, but because I, I, I see them and they see me, oh, a lot of them do seem overinflated. So, yeah, you might be able to get the, the unders some values with that because right now I think the old, they have them juiced because they know people are going to want to take the over knowing that, you know, for one, they already like the bet overs and also with the fact that there's been so much scoring lately. All right, so I know you're involved in a ton of fantasy football leagues. What What, what about basketball? Are you still doing that? Yeah, I do a basketball league. You know, it's just it's hard to get people though for basketball. If anyone listening like fantasy hoops, I mean, because it's just I don't know. I mean, my league's all right, but it's like it's just there's some teams that have already kind of tailed off and quit doing their lineup. So it's just if you can get a, an active league, then I'm sure it'd be really fun. You know, it's uh, I'm still striving for that. I'm hoping next year I can get a uh, you know a full ten active because I mean I enjoy it. I know most people like football better, which I do too, but I mean, it's like, I still enjoy basketball. It gives me something to, to to keep up with while there's no football and no baseball. All right. So the, the, uh, it's just, it was Justin Jefferson until last week, like the star of that, like who, 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 who was like the star now that fantasy is essentially over? Like 
who was the star of the year that's going to make the biggest rise into the upper half of the first round next year, you think? Uh, let's see. I mean, I mean, Austin Eckler would probably be the, the MVP of the season, but, I mean, he was already upper half of the first round. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, honestly, the, I mean, Jefferson was drafted pretty high in most leagues, too. So I'd be kind of hard for me to say that about him because most of my leagues he was already top half of the first round in the PPR joint. So the biggest one, that the biggest riser to me was, was Josh Jacobs. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere as far as, I mean, we knew what he could do. He could put up pretty good numbers. But to be an elite producer week after week, and he's now a free agent, he might be able to sign and it's an even better situation because the Raiders offense this year wasn't anything special and he still put up elite numbers so I'd probably say Josh Jacobs as far as that being a putting up first round numbers and we're able to get him well outside the first round and of course I had him in both of my leagues last year not this year but that's (laughs) just kind of how that that works but um so you know the quarterback crop for next year um, it seemed you know it you know it was a crazy quarterback offseason. I think it's going to be even crazy going. You know, it's going to be a lot of uncertainty in the quarterback crop going into next year as well. Yeah, I would think. I don't think it'll be quite as crazy though. Like I don't. I think Aaron Rodgers stayed, but he ended up staying last year. You know, but I think yeah, the thing that really kicked it off was the Russell Wilson thing. I don't think there's going to be anyone like that as far as a guy that. So we all thought Russ was elite, and we saw it happen there. You know, as far as a, a veteran that we think is elite that's on the move, and the only notable veteran, like, as far as the one that's valued high is Tom Brady. And, I mean, he's at an age, though, where he's not what he once was. So if Brady ends up on the move, I would think he'd go to the Raiders. Reunite with Josh McDaniels, but we already know Derek Carr is on the move. I mean, Derek Carr is going to be on the move. Jimmy Garoppolo is most likely going to be on the move. Tannehill could be on the move, but it's probably going to be a lot of moving parts as far as those like mid-tier veterans. But that's a lot of times what we see in the offseason. It's hard for the like mid-tier guys to find a home and stay there. But I don't see a whole lot of movement among elite players this offseason. Where last offseason, all those receivers moving around, that was pretty crazy. I doubt we'll see a flurry of activity like that. But you never know. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time all season long. Uh, good hearing from you, and you take care. Enjoy the basketball season. Yes, for sure, Kevin. Yeah, all right. Care, Thank you. The guru. The guru, I don't know how he does it. I mean, he's an unbelievable amount of fantasy leagues, and he, and he just, it, it, it's, it's incredible what he does. All right, we'll take a timeout, shift gears, talking more specifically with the Saints with our friend Luke Johnson next on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome 
Back to footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. We have with us the man who'd been telling me all season that the Saints were going to beat the Eagles, and he was right, Luke Johnson. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I didn't say they were going to beat the Eagles. I said they weren't. You, you, could, you just couldn't chalk it up as an automatic loss. I, I'm glad to, to take the victory lap on that. But I don't think we need to be telling uh, telling everybody that I was out here saying that this same team was going to be that Eagles team. You know what? You know the, 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 when I when the first when the schedule first came out, I was like, well, I don't like the fact that the, you know the, the Browns they have always had trouble with the Browns and the Eagles in Philly just own them. So the two t- games that I was the most worried about, they ended up winning, and then they still had a losing season. That's just how crazy this Saints season has been. That's yeah, been really bizarre, hasn't it? I mean, um, it, but look, I, I think I think they really do deserve some credit, and I think we'll probably talk about this as, as this uh, segment goes on. But you know, they were four and nine a couple weeks ago, and they just came. You know, were coming off like probably the worst loss of their season, rock bottom. You know, losing to the Buccaneers when you had a thirteen point lead with three minutes to go, right? Um, and I, I think it would have it would have surprised nobody if this team would have just continued to bottom out from there um, and to, you know, just say, well, uh, you know, this year's a lost year. Let's just focus on next year. Um, and to their great credit, you know, even though it, it didn't end up mattering in the end, you know, they've, they've won three straight. They can win four straight here and have a pretty good close of the season. All right. So here's my kind of explanation of how I think things, and I know there's one more game left, but we know that, you know, where they stand. So I think Dennis Allen, and to be fair, we talked about needing to have more of this mentality in the preseason before the season opener was even played. I think Dennis Allen went into this season thinking that he's going to have a really good defense because it had been really good. And, the first half of the season, seven or eight games, the defense was terrible. And 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 he devised a way to play. I think he wanted he didn't you know, he didn't want a guy like Jameis who was gonna have a big play potential, but maybe make more mistakes. He wanted more of a game manager to win with defense. Well, it worked pretty well the back half of the season. Because the defense in the last eight weeks has actually been I heard the other day like third, fourth, fifth in the league. But the first seven or eight games, it wasn't good. So overall, it doesn't work. But how's, uh, it just worries me that he, you have to be able to adjust moving forward to not holding the offense back with the weapons you have and still try to play good defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this year, was, this year was a prime example why you can't just bank on just having a good defense, right? And having like a ball control offense doesn't make any mistakes. Look, even... You, know, you, you referenced the last eight weeks. It's the last nine weeks, actually. Let's start with the Raiders game. They're number three in the NFL in scoring defense. They're number one in the NFL in passing defense. They have 31 sacks, which is second in the NFL. Um, and I think their opposing pass rating is like 77, which is number one in the NFL. Okay, that's outstanding defense. That's unreal defense. They're five and four in those games, right? So, like, even if you have a great defense, you know, if, if your offense, it's not a, a recipe for a championship team. So, I, I mean, I, I think this year has been has been a, you know, a 
proof to Dennis Allen that you know just just defense alone is not going to win you a championship. And it's not you know it's not even going to get you to the playoffs, even though you know they're you know, maybe if their defense was playing at this level earlier and be having a different conversation. Right. But hey, look, I, I I just think yeah, they've obviously got to make some changes on the offensive side of the ball. They got to be more explosive. Um, you know, they got to they got to take some risks. But again, it's not. I don't think it's personnel changes that need to be made. Right. I mean, you need to make some. It's their philosophy. Just like like, how do you explain? You know, too often, like I thought their game plan and everything and the execution, except for the interception late in the second half, was was pretty good in the first half. And in the second half, it's just nothing. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I think. I think what happened was they were turning the ball over at such a crazy rate in the first half of the year. I mean, at like an almost unprecedented rate, at least since the turn of the millennium, right? Um, that they had to dial things back, right? Um, but I, I think when you look at some of the guys they have returning next year, I mean, they have, we discussed this, I think, on the show last week. They have a really good nucleus offensively. I mean, Rashid Shahid is a gem. Chris Olave, I, you know, if he didn't get hurt, I think he'd be the rookie of the year. Um, Juwan Johnson's been fantastic. Um, who knows what you're going to get out of Mike Thomas? You know, obviously Alvin Kamara's got the suspension looming next year. Um, you know, but I, I think there's there's a lot of elements that you can say. Okay, this this can be a really good offense if we add a piece here or there. Um, this can be a really good offense. I, you know, frankly, I think. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they make a, a move to a different offensive coordinator, bring in a different offensive style here next year. Um, you know, I, I don't know if even Pete wants to be back. You know, it's maybe unfair for me saying that, but without asking him about it, but you know, I, I just don't know. You know, and I think it's, it wouldn't it would be fair to speculate about whether they're going to make a change there this offseason. But I, I don't think that they're just they have completely empty cupboards there. Oh, no, absolutely not. And the other thing that concerns me, and I, and again, who knows if he's going to be healthy or how many games he's going to get suspended, but they've effectively stripped Kamara from being a dual threat back. He He's hardly ever in space. They, they've reduced him to being a dime a dozen dump truck is what I call it. I mean, he, he he's not he's not being utilized anything like he was three and four years ago. Elvin Kamara. You know, I, I think <laughs> yeah, you see him get involved in the passing game. Yeah, that's like the one choice route I can remember them running in the last four or five weeks. He takes for like 30 yards, <coughs> you know? I just like, I, I, I don't really get um, why that is. Um, I don't think I'm smart enough to say, well, the defenses are doing this and they're taking it away. I don't think there's anything defenses can do to take away Alvin Kamara as a pass catcher. Right, we saw in his first four years, he's averaging 80, 80 receptions a year, and I, you know, I, I just think that you know, this is one of those things where it's like maybe a fresh set of eyes can can just unlock something that we all know is there, right? I, I don't think Alvin Kamara is taking a step back this year. I think it's been a, a case of, of kind of poor management of his uh, his ability. But they always talk about self scouting. Like you can't wait till the whole season's over to self scout. You got to do it during the year. I agree. I agree. It's 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 honestly it, like this shouldn't have happened. Look, it, this is one of those things. This is like the Taysom Hill thing, right? 
where it's like everybody can see it, and it's just so frustrating. It just hasn't happened, right? Every, everybody knows what's going on here. Everybody knows, like, like, hey, you've got one of the NFL's most unique and dynamic offensive weapons, um, and they're using him like he's Zeke Elliott. You know, I, I just um, I don't really get it, and I don't think again that it's on it's on Alvin. I think they've just got to they've got to take a hard look at it this year and be like, why did we not use him? the proper way this year and let's fix that going into 2023 again we're speaking with luke johnson um all right so i mean obviously they've got some some major decisions uh at the quarterback position even though he's under contract do you see any scenario where Jameis is back as a backup quarterback for next year Uh, i mean it's like it is so slim right i just think that it's clear based on this year that he's not in their long-term plans. Um, he'd be making far too much money next year uh, to be coming back as a backup. Um, I, I think that, you know, while they haven't been speaking about it in such terms publicly, I, you know, I just, I, I can't imagine the relationship between Jameis Winston is, you know, very strong right now. Um, just considering, considering Jameis was pretty open about the fact that he thought he'd be the starter when he came back from his injury and, yeah, then he ended up riding the bench the rest of the year. So, um, I, I mean, like, never say never, right? You never know what's going to happen. If, if they do get a new offensive coordinator, maybe he really likes Jameis. You never know. Um, but I, I think I'd be very surprised if uh, if Jameis was, was, was on the Saints roster next season. Is there any way – I mean, I guess it's possible, but, I mean – it, it, and I asked you this about a month ago because it hit me like, are they really like? Is there any way that they they are really that pleased with Andy Dalton that they would could make him the starting quarterback for next year? Yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, I think Andy's played pretty well. Um, you know, this is probably the best year he's had since like I don't know twenty like sixteen or fifteen when when he was you know make, making a couple Pro Bowls and you know he had like a his one season with a hundred plus passer rating. He's, he's been pretty good this year. He's not, he's obviously not the long-term answer though, right? So the scenario, the scenario where they're bringing back Andy Dalton is where they bring him back on a, on a short you know, one year type of deal. Um, and then they draft a quarterback um, and they, they let that quarterback sit and develop um, knowing that you have a, a very capable guy to start until he's ready. But I, I just, you know, that's that's the scenario where I see Andy back next year. And, and, you know, frankly, it wouldn't surprise me either just knowing that there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement next season. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they went out and acquired somebody and then brought Andy back as a backup. And Andy Dalton as a backup, I think we've seen this year, is a very useful thing to have on your team, right? As like if you got a guy going to come in and just have a 95 passer rating and and clearly be able to operate the offense effectively like that's not a bad thing to have on your team but is um, there any way to really util- effectively utilize Alave and Shahid and the speed that they bring when it Andy Dalton at quarterback I, I mean I think we've seen it this year yeah <laughs> I, I mean I mean Shahid I went and looked this up yesterday the, the NFL started tracking targets as an official stat in 1992. So you're talking about 30 seasons of data. He's the only player in that time to to 
catch 80% of his balls while averaging 18 yards a catch. Like, he's having a pretty good year with Andy at quarterback. Now, like, yes, you can imagine a bigger-armed quarterback would have more success downfield with those players. That's obviously not Andy's strength. But I don't think it's, like, such a huge weakness that he can't do it, right? It's not like like late career Drew where he was struggling to push the ball downfield. Um, I think Andy can, can can effectively play with those guys. He's just not, like, the top option. But does it not amaze – the thing that frustrates me, or there's several things I do, but, the, like, as much of an ex- experienced veteran as he is, how he has never – or, or is it something that Drew did so well that we think that all quarterbacks do is he doesn't seem to have the ability to step up in the pocket and throw the ball rather than back up and get sacked? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I think um, – yeah, and I do think that you know, your point about Drew is, is well taken, right? Their sack numbers were so low for so many years because Drew is just an expert at either getting the ball out of his hands or – or moving within the pocket. Um, I don't think everybody has that. But I don't think Andy's necessarily bad at it. I think he's probably better at navigating the pocket than Jameis was. Um, so, you know, again, this is like like we're talking about a quarterback who's probably realistically, like at his best, like would be a top 20 quarterback at his best, right? Like low end of the top 20. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just don't think that, he's a bad option, right? Like, I, I don't think they're going to lose 15 games with Andy Dalton as their starting quarterback. Um, you know, and I, I think I would rather, if you're, if you're going the route where you're, you're drafting a young quarterback who, you know, is not going to be a top five pick and guy who might not be ready right away, you know, let, let's just say like Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, right? He's, he's kind of been a popular, popular guy for Saints fans because, yeah, you know, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be there in the second round, considering he's coming off a major injury. He's you know, older than the rest of this quarterback class. If you want to draft that guy and develop him for a year and see what he's got, like I, I think Andy Dalton is a really, really good bridge option to get you from 2023 to 2024 when you're ready to kind of let that young guy take over. <clears throat> do you and do you sense that you know again this organization hadn't drafted a quarterback that high since 1971? So do you sense that 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 philosophy has changed? Yeah, and I you know I think the the fact that they haven't done it in the, you know especially the last 20 years is you know there's a pretty good reason for that, right? I mean Drew is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, arguably one of the best in NFL NFL history. You know, so like there's there's a reason they didn't do it for as long as they did as they as they went without taking one. Yeah, obviously, like they wanted Patrick Mahomes. You know, they they would have taken one of the top eleven that year uh, if they would have had a chance. Um, so I, I just I, I think Dennis is you know the kind of guy who wants to tie himself. I don't think that would be. I don't think that would be out of the out of the equation just because it hasn't been something they've done historically. Um, you know, the obvious change up here is if there's if somebody like a, a Derek Carr available or, or another player who uh, you know is, is an accomplished quarterback who could step in right away and make you a contending quarterback. You know, I, I don't know if Derek Carr is that guy. Maybe there is somebody else out there who could you know, just very clearly step in and, and make the Saints. You know, a, a, a 
bare minimum a, a NFC South favorite and maybe beyond, you know. Um, but in the event that they do draft a quarterback, like it, you know, I, I think it would make sense um, to have somebody there to just kind of hold down the fort until they're ready. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and uh, kind of shift gears, but kind of not. I have an extending question on that uh, quarterback in the draft and all that, and we'll start out the next uh, segment with that with Luke Johnson after this timeout on the game. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to get back to Luke Johnson, NOLA.com. And the advocate. All right. So, is there any chance in your mind, Luke, that Casper, as we call him on this show, Sean Payton, is not going to be coaching somewhere next season? I don't think so. Um, I really don't. I, he, he's going to probably land somewhere. I, it would just have to be, you know, that really none of the options are appealing to him and they'd have to really be not appealing. You know, I think he's been itching to get back since probably October, you know, once he got, he got done playing all the rounds of golf that he could, he could stomach. Um, you know, I imagine being away from the game has been pretty tough for him. So it would, it would be really, really surprising to me if he did not coach in the NFL next season. Okay. So if he coaches, what is realistically the compensation for the saints? Well, if the Denver Broncos are being serious about him, um, and you know, just considering they're backed by deep-pocketed owners, they're very motivated to get over a, a, just a really, really bad season where their offense, in particular, was terrible. Um, you know, I, I think they could expect a first-rounder back. Like that's that's probably the best-case scenario for the Saints is, is to have somebody who's super motivated with deep pockets, um, who wants to make a deal, right? So even if it is not the Broncos and if he's, you know, talking to other teams, um, you know, I, I think the bar at that point, if the Broncos are in the race, becomes a first-round pick. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and that's, that's probably, you know, again, like the best-case scenario for the Saints because if it was just like one team who is, who is really pushing hard for him and they're not competing against anybody else for it, uh, then, you know, it becomes a little bit harder to demand a one back in return. You know, in this past off season, I, I kind of thought it was going to be the Arizona Cardinals, and then it's that be, that's become such a weird situation. You can't argue they have stable late leadership, but I saw a poll yesterday that had them as the, as the most likely team. Shoot, if the Saints could get the Cardinals first round pick, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. <laughs> you know, um, I think they'd probably rather have Sean in the AFC uh, than, than, you know, going up against another conference opponent. But 
I, I don't think they would argue with taking a, a you know top five pick or a top ten pick, whatever it's going to be for the Cardinals this year, if that's if that's what they could get for him. Um, so you know, I just I do have a little bit of a hard time seeing Sean in Arizona just because of the, the uncertainty with the quarterback situation. Um, you know, I don't know if, if Kyler Murray is really the type of quarterback he's looking for. Um, and then you, you talk about like the the ownership situ- situation there is kind of unstable. Um, you know, they're not a, a, an organization that invests a ton of money in their team. Um, and then, you know, it, <laughs> the, the whole rest of the leadership structure there is kind of fractured. So, you know, if, if that were to happen, he'd, he'd probably need some significant guarantees from the, the Bidwells and then uh, and then probably get his hand-picked um, you know, GM that he could work with. Because the whole Kyler Murray scenario is kind of, kind of, kind of strange, uh, you know, a, a, as well. So if – I mean, I know we're really premature, and you already brought up bringing up a quarterback, but it seems to me that they're in a bad scenario of having to pick a defensive lineman again with, with their top pick, whether that's a first-round pick with the – you know, with the getting one somewhere or, or a second-round pick. Yeah, you know, I don't know. If they if they get a first round pick back for Sean Payton, especially if it's like a high first rounder, like you know, we're talking about that Arizona Cardinals situation, um, you know, I think they could they could use their two on a defensive line and still get a pretty good one. And I, I don't think that they necessarily need to invest a high pick in uh in like a, a defensive edge guy, right? But their their interior needs a lot of work. Yes. And I, I think that's that's played out over and over and over again this season with the big rushing numbers they've given up. Yeah, you know, that that side of their defense is taking a huge step back, and I think you can plug that with second, third, fourth round players. You can find good players in those uh, in those spots. I mean, David Onyemata was the best interior guy for four or five years, and I think he was a fourth round pick, if, if my memory serves correctly. That like you can right. find those guys in the the, the middle rounds. The, the you know with your second round pick, you can find a you know, a guy who's really going to change things for you on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, and I think they can, you know, I know they're, they're, they're up against the cap like they always are, but they can make, they can make some, some necessary moves to free up some space to at least get somebody who's going to help that side of the ball at, at a reasonable contract as well. All right. So it, how far-fetched is it that Granderson and Ellis – have elevated themselves to being starters for next season? Um, I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. Um, and really with their, with the way they play on the defensive line, I don't think they need to worry about whether Granderson can be a starter. It's, it's can he be a contributing part of that rotation. Um, you know, they, they, they rotate those guys in and out so much. It's just like, you know, you just need to be able to count on to play 40, 50% of the snaps. Right. Right. So, you know, for him specifically, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely deserved to, to be a, a bigger part of that rotation to maybe play a starting role where, where he's taking the majority of the snaps. Uh, Caden Ellis, I, I mean, that's a really, it's a really tough one because he's about to be an unrestricted free agent, you know, and he's probably played himself into a pretty good deal. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be breaking the bank. You know, he's, he's not even going to be making DeMario Davis money, and, and DeMario Davis is underpaid. Um, but, you know, he's, if, if you do decide to bring him back, he's, he's somebody who's probably going to cost you 
seven or eight million dollars a year. Um, and you know, do you do that with with Demario still under contract for the next couple of years? Um, you know, you have Pete Werner. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're you know what they're they're going to be able to do with him, and and exactly what his market is going to be outside of New Orleans. But that said, like he's he's definitely proven this year that that he deserves a bigger role, right? He's like if if he comes back to the Saints, it can't just be as the the starting Sam linebacker who's playing. Eight or nine defensive snaps a game. He's got to have a bigger role than, than what he had before this year started. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be getting that kind of money, but I mean, you don't want, you know, Hendrickson kind of elevated himself, and I understand why they went with Davenport, and I supported it, even though it didn't work. I mean, I mean, what is Ellis's ceiling like? Could, could they really be making a mistake if they don't keep him? That's a big question. Um, you know, maybe his ceiling is what he's playing at this year, you know, because uh, you know, kind of like Trey, Trey had some good, some good flashes before his big breakout season, but um, you just didn't know if that was, if that was like a flash in the pan or if that's what he was going to be moving forward. Right. Um, and I think Trey has proven that, you know, he, he wasn't just a, a one year wonder. Um you know, he's, he's a guy who can be a, a dominant defensive player. Um, can Caden Ellis continue to be this or be even more than he is? It's tough to say. You've only seen it for 10 or 11 games. Uh, so it's a little bit of a gamble if you're, if you're spending a, a decent chunk of money on him. Um, but, you know, I, I think as we saw with Trey, you know, maybe it's a gamble you got to take, you know, because you don't want to let good homegrown players go um, if they're not, if they're not like absolutely breaking your bank. Right. Tough, they got some, you know, tough decisions there, personnel. And, and one last thing, I mean, do you think May and Matthew will be the starting safeties next year, or or, or no? When the season starts, if you had to guess. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say yes. Um, I think Tyron has played much, much better in the second half of the season. Um, yeah, I talked to him yesterday, and he was just. He's a little bit disappointed with how his season went. Um, you know, he's he's accustomed to making the big splash plays. You know, he called it the Tyron Matthew type plays that just they weren't they didn't come very often this year. I, I think he's still leading the team in interceptions, but he's leading a team that's like at the bottom of the NFL in interceptions. So he thinks he's capable of more, but he did play better in the second half of the season. And I think Marcus May did too. Yeah, I thought maybe there was a chance he was a he was a bust. At the beginning of the year, he's just he was an invisible man in that defense whenever he was on the field. But toward the second half of the season, um, he started making you know some some plays. That you're like, okay, that's why they paid the guy you know six or eight million dollars a year. I can't remember what exactly, but they paid him. Um, and then you remember that he he tore his Achilles in November of last year, November of 21, and he was about a year removed when he started playing better. So. You know, I think you can probably count on him being a much better player next year. Um, and I think just based on what you saw out of Tyron in the last half of the season, you know, once he got kind of comfortable with that scheme, that you know he can be a pretty good player for you too. So it, it would surprise me if if they move away from either of those guys this offseason. But you know, I think one of the things that we've got to consider here is you know, they had a disappointing year this year, and 
you just don't exactly know what direction the front office wants to take and whether they're going to be like, okay, let's, let's hit like a soft reset here and let's move on from some of our aging expensive veterans. Um, let's inject the, the team with some younger players and see what they can do. Um, or if they're going to try to, you know, bring a majority of these guys back next year because they played better toward the second half of the season. It's just, we're going to kind of have to wait and see on that. It will be interesting. No question. Some tough decisions to make. Well, sir, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Yep. My pleasure, man. Thank Thank you. Thanks, Luke. No, I, I think some tough decisions. I, um, I, I, I like what Luke said about the safety spots because I think what really happened, I was really worried about the safeties adjusting, and, I, and, and it seemed like, to Luke's point, that they adjusted well second half, but it took way too long for that to happen. So there might be some reason to believe that would, it would be much better next season. We will see. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. want to remind you, if you use your Amazon Alexa or Google Home speaker, use them also in listening to the game. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy, so do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home office, wherever you go. Um, You know, Luke... Obviously, a little higher on Andy Dalton's potential long-term than I am, although I've admitted many times Andy Dalton's played much better this year than I I, I anticipated that he would. But, you know, we didn't really talk about Sunday's matchup with the Arnolds very much, but something that the Yucks exposed, and if they had not exposed it, you know, the Saints might be playing for something still potentially this weekend. The, The you know, the reason why the Yucks won that game is because all they did, they, they figured out in the second half, all they had to do is drop back and throw a bomb, and they and, and, and they couldn't defend it. I mean, they, it was ridiculous the amount of big plays that Evans caught in that game because they were not able to defend it. The problem is, can Dalton take advantage of that? Can the, uh, the, the play calling take advantage? The Saints have receivers that can get deep. But you have to throw the ball that far. You have to step up in the pocket and make that throw. And you have to do it more than once a game. I mean, you know, again, the game doesn't mean anything, but it's like, okay, this is a team that obviously struggles against the deep ball. Can you even throw the deep ball? Will you even throw the deep ball? And again, I understand the game doesn't mean anything, but I mean, if if there ever the way it's looking, if there ever was a matchup to do it, it's got to be here. Let's see if he can do it. So far, hadn't been the case. Appreciate all the phone calls. Have a nice day.